I want you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. When I was in school, we had to memorize poems. I don't know how it was when you were in school, but we had to memorize poems. And one of the poems that we had to memorize was Robert Frost's poem, The Road Not Taken. And the last three lines of that poem went like this. Two um, roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled, and that has made all the difference. Now, I don't know about you, but what I've discovered is as we walk through life, we discover that oftentimes our life comes to a crossroad. And I have no clue what Robert Frost was talking about as he wrote this poem. But what I do know is I do know that as we walk through life, we come to crossroads. And sometimes the road that we take, whether to the right or to the left, whether up or down, the road we take makes little difference. But there are other times in life that the road we take makes all the difference in the world. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. I want us to talk about taking the right road. Because what I've discovered is if I take the right road in life, it will reduce the stress in my life. Jesus talked about this when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Many of you have heard this sermon before. But, but as he was wrapping up this sermon, he said these words. He said, heaven can be entered only through the narrow gate. Highway, the highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide enough for all the multitudes who choose its easy way. But the gateway to life is small. Its road is narrow. And only a few take it. Jesus was saying that there are two roads. There are two paths we can choose in life. One of those roads is crowded. The other road has very few travelers. One road is wide enough to support anything and everything. The other road is a very narrow road. One road is easy to travel. The other road is very difficult to travel. It can be extremely hard. And then Jesus says this. He says one of the roads, one of the paths lead to hell. The other road, the other path leads to heaven. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think if you were traveling down a path, God never intended for you to travel, and that path will lead you to destruction, to hell, do you think that will bring stress to your life? I do. I believe that if I am traveling down a road, if I am on a path that God never intended, that is going to add countless stress to my life. Because you see, I am convinced that our creator, the one who formed us, the one who fashioned us, knows what is best for us. And if we are traveling down the path that he has for us, our life will be much less stressful. As a matter of fact, I am convinced that many people are stressed out today because they are on the wrong road leading to the wrong destination and unfortunately... Many of them don't even know it. That's why this verse in Psalm 23 is so important for us as we seek to discover how we can live this, this stress-free life. In Psalm 23, verse 3, the very end of that verse, Jesus says these words. He says, He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. 
The shepherd guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, the shepherd, the good shepherd, not only wants to feed us, he wants to lead us. The good shepherd not only wants to protect us, he wants to direct us. The good shepherd not only wants to provide for us, he wants to guide us as we walk through life. And so this morning, what I want us to do for a few minutes together is try to answer three questions that will help us determine not only what path we are on, but whether we can live this stress-free life or not. Now, the first question is this. Who is guiding me as I walk through life? Who is guiding me as I walk through life? You see, each and every one of us has someone or something that is guiding us as we make decisions in life, as we choose the paths that we're walking down. Now, here's what David said. He said, he guides. Now, you may not know this, but sheep have very poor vision. As a matter of fact, a sheep can typically not see more than 10 yards in front of them. That's why they have a tendency to wander away. That's why they have a tendency to get off of the right paths because they cannot see where they're going. And that's why they need a good shepherd who will guide them and direct them as they are going through life. And the same is true for us. A long time ago, a prophet by the name of Isaiah said this. He said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned to our own way. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned to our own way. Another translation says it this way. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's paths to follow our own paths. You see, for some reason, we have convinced ourselves as human beings that we are better guides as we walk through life than our Creator. And that leads some of us to be guided by our own understanding. There are some of us here today who are guided by our own understanding as we walk through life. Now, our understanding is composed of our emotion and our intellect. When someone is guided by their understanding, there are two things involved. Our intellect, how intelligent we are, and our emotions, how we feel. When a person is guided by their own understanding, you will typically hear them say things like this. Well, well that makes sense to me. Or, or, or this, that just doesn't sound logical to me. Or perhaps they'll say this, I feel like. That's what a person is going to say if they're guided by their understanding. But here's the problem with being guided by our own understanding. Our feelings come and go. They are up and they are down. And there are many things that have a, a control on our feelings, our health. The, the situations that we're going on in life, all of these things affect our feelings. And our intellect, our intellect is flawed at best. Regardless of what your IQ may be, regardless of what you may have made on the SATs or, or ACT or whatever else, you do not have perfect intelligence. And so you don't need to be guided by your own understanding because there will be times, there will be many times, that your understanding will lead you astray. That's why the wisest man who ever lived said this. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. 
Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. Solomon said, don't trust your own understanding. Trust God to lead you. Seek his will in everything you do and let him direct your paths. And so if you're here this morning and, and you're being directed by your own understanding, the way you feel and, and how you think, understand your guidance is going to be flawed. And then there are other people today who are guided by the world, the world in which we live. We allow this world in which we live to, to dictate how we talk, what we wear, how we live, and even what we believe. We have convinced ourselves that if the world says it's right, it must be right. But the problem with that is Satan is the prince of this world, according to the Bible. And the Bible teaches us that this world is fast approaching a date with destruction. I want you to listen to what the Bible says about those who were guided by this world. In Colossians 2, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, if you have died with Christ to the world's way of doing things, why do you still let others tell you how to live? It's as though you were still under the world's influence. You see, the Apostle Paul said we have died to the world and the things of the world. And we shouldn't let the world be influencing our decisions, the direction that we travel, what we do with our life. You see, according to the Word of God, we are guided by a different standard than those who live in the world. Over and over again in God's Word, we are commanded to love not the world. We're commanded to be different from the world. You see, the Bible teaches us that, that rather than being influenced by the world, we are called to influence the world by being salt and light in the world in which we live. And so ask yourself, as you're walking through life, as you're making decisions on where you're going to go, where you're going to lead your family, what kind of job you're going to have, are you being influenced by the world or are you allowing your influence to influence the world? So the first thing, some are guided by their own understanding. Second, some are guided by the world. And then third, there are some who are guided by traditions. Now, our traditions are, are those things that have been handed down to us. And, and let's be honest, many of our traditions are good. When I was growing up, my parents handed down to me many traditions that are extremely valuable to me today. And I hold on to those traditions. And our traditions, if we're guided by them, they affect us just like the world. They affect what we believe. They affect how we act just as much as the world, just as much as our understanding. But the problem is we shouldn't let tradition be our guide. Listen to what it says in Colossians 2 verse 8. Paul said, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human traditions and the basic principles of the world rather than on Christ. So the Apostle Paul said that, that we shouldn't allow our traditions to guide and direct the decisions we make because our traditions, regardless of how good our intentions may be, our traditions ultimately come from the world. 
That's why Jesus told the religious leaders of his day that they were allowing their traditions to keep them from following the commands of God. Now, here's the thing. All of these guides seem right at times. Our own understanding. As we walk through life, what we think, how we feel, seems like the right thing. There are times that what the world says seems right. There are times that our tradition seems right. But the problem is they aren't right. Here's what Solomon said. He said, there is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to death. Did you get that? There is a way that seems right, but it's not right. It leads us to death. That's why Jesus is our only adequate guide. Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. You see, if we are looking toward, if we are listening to, if we are following Jesus, the good shepherd, he will never lead us astray and we will discover that our life is pretty stress-free. Back when I was growing up, my father and I had a yearly tradition. We would go camping and canoeing down various places in South Carolina and, and, uh, and literally around the United States and sometimes into Canada. And one year, we were canoeing down the Little P.D. River. And that year, there had been a lot of rain. And the water levels were up. And, and, and as we got to the point where the Little P.D. River converged with the Big P.D. River, there was only swamp. We, we couldn't tell where the river went anymore. It was completely swamped. And so we had to stop. We didn't know where to go. And so we pulled our canoe over to land when we found land and we started hiking. My father was with me and we started hiking. We hiked through the woods and pretty soon we came to a field and we hiked through the field. And, and then a little time later, we came to a dirt road and we hiked down that dirt road and then we came to a main road and, and we took that main road and we came to a country store. And when we got to that country store, we called for help. Now, let me tell you, if I would have been on my own, I would have been snake bait. I would have been lost in the woods forever. I would have died, but I wasn't on my own. My father was with me and he knew those woods. He knew those swamps. He knew how to navigate in those woods. And so he was able to find out where we were, where we needed to go and guide us and direct us to safety. And the same is true with us as we go through life. You see, the Bible teaches that we have a heavenly Father who goes through life with us, who walks with us, who canoes with us, who travels with us through life, and He is wanting to guide and direct your life. And listen, when you allow Him to guide and direct your life, you will discover that the stress begins to disappear. But understand, the Good Shepherd, He's not going to force his guidance upon you. That, that's not how he operates. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. He doesn't want to push you or force you or pull you. You see, our good shepherd gives each of us a free will. We have the ability to choose to go down our own paths or to go down the path that he directs for us. 
He gives us that freedom. And and I, for one, am extremely glad that he gives us that freedom to make choices. Because it's in making those choices that we can truly fall in love with the good shepherd who will guide and direct our life. But understand, you don't have to follow the good shepherd. You can go down your own path, paths that you choose, paths that you desire. But if you choose to go down those paths, then understand there are consequences to your decision. So who is guiding you as you walk through life? He guides. Now, the second question we want to ask is this. Where do we want to go? I mean, if he is going to guide us, where is it that he is going to guide us? And notice what David said. David said, the good shepherd guides us where? In paths of righteousness. So the good shepherd guides us down righteous paths. Now that word righteousness simply means being right and doing right. You need to write that down. Righteousness simply means being right and doing right. You see, the one flows out of the other. That word is found over 500 times in Scripture. And so if that word is found over 500 times in Scripture, that means that this is something that God really wants us to grasp. God wants us to get a hold of. As a matter of fact, listen to what Jesus said about righteousness. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for for they will be filled. And then he followed up that a little bit later by saying, But seek first... His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Now the word Jesus used for hunger and thirst is a word that implies hungering and thirsting for it all. Imagine. Imagine that you haven't eaten all day. And you are starving. And you come in and your mama has fixed your absolute favorite meal of all time. And it's sitting there on the table in front of you and you are starving. And as you look at that food, you want it all. I mean, there are four chicken legs, three thighs, and you want them all. There's a a bowl of mashed potatoes and you want them all. There's There's a pan of macaroni and cheese and you want it all. That's the word that Jesus uses here. He said, blessed are those who want righteousness so much that they want it all. And then Jesus said that we need to seek after righteousness with all of our heart. It is the most important thing that we can seek after. Now, why is righteousness so important? Here's why. Because the Bible teaches us that righteousness is the only way that you and I can experience life. Let me say that again. The Bible teaches that righteousness, being right and doing right, is the only way that we can experience life. Solomon said in Proverbs 12, In the way of righteousness there is life. Along that path is immortality. In the way of righteousness is life. And and if you walk down that path, there is life forever. You see, the Bible teaches us that if we desire to live, if we desire to really live, both now 
in the flesh and forever in eternity. The only way to do that is by being righteous. But herein is the problem. You see, the Bible says that that we're not righteous. (laughs) That's the problem. As a matter of fact, it says in Romans 3, there is no one righteous, not even one. And so we're told that the only way that, that we can ever really experience life here on this planet, and the only way that we can ever have life for all eternity is to be righteous, and yet none of us are righteous. No one. Zip. Nada. Not a single one of us are righteous. Now, some of us may be better than others. Some of us may be more right than others. But none of us are righteous all the time. You see, the Bible tells us that the standard for righteousness is Jesus Christ. And Jesus was perfect righteousness. And so when you stand here... And Jesus is standing here. You will never measure up to Jesus. You just can't do it. Jesus was perfect and you're not. There is no one righteous, not even one. And it goes on to say in God's word that our very best attempts at righteousness are but like filthy rags. The best that I have to give to God, my best hope for righteousness is like dirty Filthy clothes. And so the Bible says the only way that that I can have life is to be righteous. But but I'm not righteous. And and it doesn't seem that I can ever be righteous on my own. So so that's not good news, is it? And yet we say that the Bible is, is good news. And so where does the good news come? Well, here's the good news. In Romans chapter 3, it says this. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. In other words, God says, I'm going to give you a righteousness that you don't have on your own. And this righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We don't become righteous by hard work. We don't become righteous by becoming more religious. We don't become righteous by moral living. The only way that you and I can ever become righteous in God's sight is through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this is called positional righteousness. I am made righteous in Jesus because he is righteous. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's one of my favorite verses in the entire Word of God. God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, the Bible teaches that on the cross, a transfer took place. God took all of our sin, every single sin we have ever committed, every single sin we ever will commit. God took all that sin and placed it upon Jesus. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Jesus died on that cross for our sin. But that's only part of the transfer. Because the Bible teaches that not only did God take my sin and place it upon Jesus... 
the Bible says that God took Jesus' righteousness. Remember, he was perfect righteousness. God took his righteousness and placed it into my account. You see, that's the only way that I can be made right with God. By having the righteousness of Jesus placed in my account. And that's what happened when Jesus was on the cross. You see, the path of righteousness is a narrow path leading up a steep hill. And at the top of that hill is an old rugged cross. And that's the only way that you and I can become righteous. To have Jesus' righteousness placed in our account through our faith in what he did for us. Have you done that? Have you discovered that positional righteousness? But there is also a practical righteousness. And the practical righteousness flows out of the positional righteousness. In 1 John chapter 3, we read this. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he, Jesus, is righteous. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. Did you get that? You see, the Bible teaches that when we by faith place our trust in Jesus and his righteousness is placed into our account, that transfer occurs, something happens. We call it, in the Bible, a new birth. Paul said that we become new creations. The old is passed away. We become new. You can call it what you want to, but here's what I know. When we place our faith in Jesus, something happens to us. And like never before, we have a desire to live for Jesus, to obey Jesus, to follow Jesus, to practically flesh out right living. You see, it's not only about being right because Jesus saved us. It's about doing right because Jesus is in us. And I want you to hear me. And don't miss this. Because for some of us, this is the most important thing that we'll hear this morning. Because many of us have this idea that that simply because we prayed a prayer and, and we believe some facts, His righteousness is in us and we're going to heaven. Hear my heart. If His righteousness in you has not changed you, you're not going to heaven. There is positional righteousness where His righteousness is placed in your account. And that's what saves But there is a practical righteousness that flows out of that. When Jesus is in us, we will have a desire to live for him, to serve him, to follow him, to obey him, to do his will. And and that's why we need to understand that if we know Jesus, we really know Jesus, we're going to want to follow Jesus. That's why Paul said in Romans 6, what shall we say then? Shall we... Keep on sinning so that God's grace may abound? God forbid. How can we who have died to sin live any longer in sin? The Apostle Paul said, when you accept Jesus, something happens. You've died to an old way of life. You've died to old desires. You've died to old wants. And it doesn't mean those won't try to be resurrected at times. But it means that your desire now is to live for Jesus, to follow Jesus, to obey Jesus. And I want you to understand that righteous paths are the only paths that lead to life. So, where are we going? He leads us down paths of righteousness. But but the final question I want us to answer is this. Why am I going there? He, the good shepherd, guides me, 
down paths of righteousness, right living, right doing. He leads me down these paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. He's leading me for his name's sake. Now, there are two important truths that we need to understand there. First, God's reputation is on the line. You see, if he doesn't lead me the right way, then he has failed. And believe me, God's not going to fail. And so when he leads us, he's going to always lead us the right way. Hear my heart. When you're following God, he will never lead you astray. He will never lead you astray. But there's a second thing you need to understand here. And that is, it's not about us. Everything in life is for God's glory. Did you get that? He leads me down paths of righteousness. Why? For His name's sake. For His glory. Listen, life isn't about having our needs met. Life isn't about our success or our comfort or or our happiness or our health. Life is all about God. We are here on planet earth to bring glory to God. And so my question is, is how do you view life? Is your goal in life to, to make a certain amount of money? Is it to attain certain possessions in life? Is, is it to have a certain type of relationship? What is your goal in life? Understand, life is not about me. Life is not about you. Life is not about anyone else. Life is about Him. He is the creator. We are the created. He is the potter. We are the clay. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. And when we get to the point that we realize life isn't about us. It's about His glory. Then all of a sudden, the things that have stressed us out in the past, that next big promotion, a bigger house and nicer car, better clothes, more status, classier friends, whatever it is, that has stressed us out, all of a sudden those things really don't matter anymore. Because we realize we weren't put here for our comfort. We weren't put here for our satisfaction. We were put here for His glory. And so my question for you this morning is this, what is your focus in life? I mean, what have you been striving for? What has been your desire? Is it the the next job, the next promotion, the the nicer neighborhood, the, the newer car? What is it? What is it that has been driving you? What have you desired in life? Have you desired to bring glory to Him? Is that your number one aim? Because hear my heart. When you get to that point where your number one aim in life is to bring glory to Him, then nothing else really matters. That's why Jesus said, seek first His kingdom and and His righteousness. and, And then, and only then, will you discover that everything else you've been looking for, you're going to have it. You're going to have it. The psalmist said this, 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I, I believe a better translation of that verse is this. When you delight in the Lord, you're going to discover you've already got what you want. Because you got Him. And nothing else really matters. So what has been your desire? Have you been walking down the right paths? Paths of righteousness. There are some of you that, that need to give your life to Jesus right now. There are others of you who have done that, but you're not walking in practical righteousness right now. You're not living in a way that is honoring and pleasing to the one that you're to bring glory to. And you're never going to have stress-free living until you do that. And then there's some of you who are trying to be your own guides. You're trying to follow your own understanding. You're trying to follow the world. You're trying to follow the traditions that have been given to you. And man, that's stressing you out. And what I want to challenge you to do today is this. Let the good shepherd guide you. Let him guide you down paths of righteousness. And as he guides you down those paths of righteousness, realize it's not about you. It's not about anyone else on planet earth. You're put here to bring glory to his name. Would you bow your head with me? With your head bowed, with your eyes closed. Here's what I want to ask you this morning. And I've already asked you once, but with your head bowed, your eyes closed, I want to ask you again. Are you allowing him to guide you? Are you allowing him to guide everything you do? Are you trusting him to guide you and direct you in life? Second, is he guiding you down those paths of righteousness? Right living, right doing. And then third, are you living life for his glory? If you're here this morning and you're not, then I want to challenge you right here, right now, to surrender your life to the one who created you, the potter, the good shepherd, and let him begin to guide you. And as he guides you, let him guide you to bring glory to his name. Let me pray for us. Father God, I come to you right now asking you, Lord, to work in each of our lives this morning. I pray that we will allow you to guide us down those paths of righteousness, not for our sake, but for your sake. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.